We're on the road with Mickey, we're gonna have some fun. Regardless of the rain or sun, our trip has just begun. So buckle up, let's go, we're about to start the show. And maybe if you like us, you'll see where else we'll go. Hi everyone, I'm Sophie, he's Mike. Welcome to our little corner of the podcasting universe. Hopefully you like the sound of our voices and you want to stick around for the show. Not that it stays in one place for long. I mean, after all, we are on the road with Mickey. So hop in the car and buckle up your skate belts because we've got an awesome adventure this week. Now a brief rundown before we get moving. First up, our roundtable talk where we'll discuss the main topic for this week, followed by some Disney trivia ranging from Disney history to a random Disney character of the day. Well, that's just about it. Everybody ready? Let's get this show on the road. Hey, everyone. I'm Mike, and she's Sophie. Hi. And we're on the road with Mickey. This is episode number 25 for June 22nd, 2020. And our feature topic this week is vacationing on a tight budget. And this week, Sophie and I are joined by our special friend, Lee, from Disneylandia.com. Hey, Lee. Hey guys, how's it going? Going great. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So before we get to our feature topic, Lee, we always have um, some cheddar from the big cheese, and that's our little little tidbits of news information that we find on the internet. And so um, I wanted to let everyone know, we'll get into that right now, and then we'll get into the feature topic after that. But... um, I wanted to let people know that um, Hong Kong Disneyland had reopened on June 18th. So that's kind of a big deal. You know, there's um, Shanghai's open and now Hong Kong Disneyland's open and Walt Disney World will reopen next month and Disneyland is opening next month. So things are starting to get back to the to at least some storm, some form of normal for Disney. So, um, so for us, I think that's exciting news for Sophie and I. It was very exciting for me. Yeah. But, um, Sophie, go ahead and give us the next bit of information. Well, not really a surprise here. Actually, you've talked about it before. You just talked about it, but Disneyland reopens next month, although face masks will be required, but they're required everywhere. So that's kind of, that's not surprising at all. However, there is a big, there is a new surprise, and that is that Disney is building a new back check area at the Animal Kingdom for entrance to the park. Not sure if they're doing similar work at all the other parks as well. Yeah, I I was looking into the um Twitter account. His there's a Twitter account, Lee, and it's mm-hmm. Bio Reconstruct. And it's a really neat account because he shows a lot of aerial footage of different areas in the Orlando area. And a lot of it is Disney, but a lot of it is also things like Universal and the roller coasters that they're building and stuff like that. And so that's where I saw that animal kingdom was getting the new bag, the bag check area, but I didn't see anything about any other 
bag checks at Magic Kingdom or Epcot or Hollywood Studios. So I don't I don't guess they're doing any sort of um, design work to change that for the others. But um, but I thought it was worth noting that it's happening over at Animal Kingdom. And and Lee, didn't you have some Disney Plus cheddar that you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I just have to try to remember what the title of it was, but I think it's on July 17th. There's a, a new program that's going to be on Disney Plus, and it's about, um, do you remember what the title of it was? Did you write it down? Yeah, I did. It's called A Pre-Opening Report from Disneyland. Yeah, so I noticed that the, the picture that they had on the website was a, an old image, black and white image, from when Disneyland was getting ready to open in 1955. So I don't know whether they're going to compare that to the opening processes today because of the COVID or whether it's strictly an opening report about now. But the fact that it's July 17th, right, which is when, isn't that when you said the park is opening? Yeah. So the timing seems to be pretty special there. So it might have something to do with that. So it's going to be an exciting program either way. Yeah, exactly. And and July 17th of this year is the 65th anniversary for Disneyland's mm-hmm. opening. So I imagine um, the show and I think it'll be worth watching. I think I think it'll probably cover um, bits of information from when it first opened, as well as talking about, you know, how it's reopening now. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, so Yeah. And then uh, Sophie, the last bit of cheddar is right up your alley isn't it oh yes i'm seeing it in the document right now and i am thrilled because in case the listeners don't know this i am a huge theater nerd especially broadway musicals i love musicals so the fact that hamilton is coming to disney plus on july 3rd that's when it will premiere the fact that that is happening is in the stars for me. There you go. There you go. And yeah, I think that will be a um, highly sought and watched program for sure. I can't imagine how it couldn't be. But um, but yeah, a lot of stuff coming to Disney Plus, and this that's just like scratching the surface. So. Um, you know, every month there's various websites that report on what's new coming to Disney Plus, and those were two of the highlights that we wanted to talk about for Disney Plus for for July. But um, but that's all the cheddar I've got for us this week. So um, now let's get on to our feature topic. And we were talking the other day about how we can um expand a little bit on how you can do some vacationing, whether it's at Disney or not at Disney, but how you can still get in a vacation when you're on a tight budget. And, um, and, you know, Lee is, um, Lee's a master at making his funds last as long as they can. And so that's why I wanted him to come join us. And so, um, So we're going to have some tips on how we can have a great vacation on a small budget. And we're going to look at some things like when you should go, where you should stay, how you can budget for your food. Um, What about you? What do you do for your tickets and how are you saving for your trip? And 
the last one I threw out there was, should I even use a travel agent to help with any of this? So, um, so I think we've got a lot of good um, high-level topics to talk about. So uh, who wants to start us off? Lee, do you want to kick us off on, on um, maybe when is a good time that you've found to go? Well, yeah, I can do. I, basically, for me, I try to go off-season, so especially for Disney. But with Walt Disney World, there really isn't an off-season anymore, which is kind of – it makes it a little trickier. Um, Disneyland, I found, does still have an off-season a little bit more. So when we went to Disneyland, we basically went in January. So that was basically their off-season. It's a little bit colder in, in California in January, so not as many people go. So the disadvantage, of course, was that it was a little cooler. I mean, most of the days were between 60, 65 degrees. It could get down to 50, you know, so we had a little bit of rain. Um, but that was an unusual cold snap we had that year too. So normally it would be a little better than that. So, you know, but still, it didn't stop us from having a lot of fun and it was a lot less money, you know, because obviously we were able to do a little bit more just because it didn't cost us as much to go. And even the hotel we had was a little less expensive because it was their off season, of course. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our car rental, the, the flight, you know, everything was kind of a little bit down because January wasn't, you know, it's not a big travel time right after Christmas. So, um, so that's something that we try to do. We try to, normally we try to travel if we're going to go, you know, if we're going to fly or drive anywhere between January to February. And that just seems to be everybody's off season. So not just Disney, but any kind of tourist place, you know, after Christmas, a couple of months after Christmas, people are still you know, that was a big time. A lot of people traveled for that particular celebration. So then after that, I think January, February ends up being a little less busy all around. So that's what we try yeah. to do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's good information. You know, um, even though there's a lot of reasons why January and February can be good because, you know, so many people are on such a high from the holiday season, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, or however they're they're celebrating the holidays, that when you get into January and February, it seems like such a downer, you know? Mm-hmm. And but if you can plan a trip during that time period, then you're you really are um, perhaps doing some things that that might not make it seem so bad, you know? And and also depending on where you're coming from, you know, we're we're in Raleigh, so um so January, February can get cold, mm-hmm. but um, but like if you're coming from New England or somewhere further up north and you're going to to California or Florida, you know, it might almost even though it's off season, it might mm-hmm. even be just a great time to go because, you know, you're going to get warmer temperatures just by the fact that you're driving south, <laughs> you know. And then yeah, that's- a summer would just be too hot to go anyway. Yeah, and what I found, too, it was kind of halfway between the winter. So, you know, you've already had two or three months of winter. And once you go on a vacation in February, especially, you've only got about another month and a half in the spring. So <laughs> kind of right. paces it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Sophie, do you have anything you want to add for when a good time you always like to go? Well, you kind of hit the main point for me is that off season is the best time to go because then the crowds are less. And then you don't feel as overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. 
But I also have to say that a good time to go might be like if you check the weather of the place and it seems like it's going to be less than ideal. Not, of course, like you're going to Disney during a hurricane, but like it's really rainy or something. That's also a good time to go because then people would avoid it anyway because nobody likes the rain at Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you're able to take advantage of of rides and do more in, in a lot of cases. And, you know, in that instance, it's it's not necessarily a savings in money, perhaps, but it's an increase in value because you're getting more out of your vacation dollars. You yeah. Know? So yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, I, you know, one of the drawbacks, of course, of off off season is, you know, some of the attractions you want to ride might be closed for renovations. Like if you go in January or February, then you're not going to be able to ride Splash Mountain. And, it, you know, you may not want to ride Splash Mountain anyway. It might be too cold for Splash Mountain, but mm-hmm. the chances of you being able to ride it are probably slim and none um, in that regard because it's being renovated. But um, and that's an annual maintenance thing. But um, but, you know, there's there's drawbacks. And but you still I think the the adage that I always try to remember is any day at Disney is better than a day somewhere else <laughs> regardless <laughs> yeah. of what the conditions are you know so but yeah i think i think those are are good um good suggestions on when to go and um you know another another topic we want to look at is where we should stay you know where where do you want to stay um do you stay do you stay on property do you decide to um stay off property you know at a non-disney resort or or um something like that and and how do you make that determination you know so who wants to shoot out sophie what do you think well i think that in terms of on property off property if you're looking to save as much money as possible and you don't have a dvc membership it's best to stay off property at a good neighbor hotel like what we did when we went in not in not in October but like the la- one of the few times we went last with Aunt mm-hmm. Sheila and Jagan and Uncle Randy because since Aunt Sheila is an insurance agent countrywide worldwide actually she has a lot of good contacts with a lot of hotels in many different places. And so we just stayed at a Doubletree, which her company has a deal with, and that got us a better rate overall. Yeah. And a good neighbor hotel, it was off property, but it was still very close to Disney and we could just take a bus. Yeah, because it was at Disney Springs Lee. So, okay. um, yeah, and it wasn't... Um, you know, it was a case of, you know, Sheila always travels and uses Hilton when she travels. So, so that's what made it worth checking into. And so, um, so that's how we were able to get a, a good deal because of her Hilton relationship. Um, right. You know, and, um, you know, party size can make a, a difference on where you want to stay as well. Because if you have a big group traveling, 
then you might want to stay off property or maybe even renting a house um, depending on how many people are going because that definitely could save you some money over having to get two rooms or three rooms at a Disney resort. Um, so what are your thoughts, Lee? Yeah, I'm thinking like the good neighbor is a good way. When we went to, to, to California for Disneyland, we stayed at the Howard Johnson, which is right across the street. So I think it's uh, Harbor Boulevard, I think is what runs along um, mm-hmm. in front of Disneyland. And yeah. it's just lined with hotels from one end of it to the other, all facing Disneyland. So the Howard Johnson was basically right up at the um, the new fan, the new Tomorrowland expansion, so right where the Matterhorn was. So we were directly across the road. So we had a third story uh, that we were on the top floor. We mm-hmm. had a balcony. So every morning I could walk out, stand on the balcony, and watch the monorail glide past Matterhorn Mountain, and cool. it was beautiful. And it's the only place you could get that view, you know. So yeah. although we weren't on property, we weren't staying in the Disneyland Hotel, which would have been awesome. Uh, we still had a view that you wouldn't even get from the Disneyland Hotel, you know, and it was really mm-hmm. nice. It was only a 10 minute walk. And a lot of those hotels along uh, Harbor Boulevard are beautiful. Like they're they do a good job. They've been there a long time. Uh, the Howard Johnson for us was amazing. The staff was great. And I guess we saved probably not quite half, but probably a good, you know, one third off the cost of staying in and on the property itself. Yeah. So, you know, you couldn't, we couldn't really beat that deal. And we didn't feel like we were losing out on Disney magic. I mean, cause again, every morning I could get my coffee, stand on the balcony and watch the monorail go by the Matterhorn. I mean, it was just, you know, to me, that was great. And then walking down to Disney along the, along the Harbor Boulevard there, you know, the monorail kept going by past us every time and it built up anticipation. So, you know, depending on where you stay, Walt Disney World might be harder. We stayed off property for Walt Disney World, too, about an hour away. So it's not quite the same. The thing you got to watch, too, if you're staying off property is that all the cost you're going to have in, you know, wasted time traveling. You know, right. the cost of traveling as well. If you're using your own vehicle or if you got to wait for shuttles, that can waste a lot of time. And then, of course, I didn't factor in. But the last time we went with my in-laws, it cost me $22 a day for parking. So... Mm-hmm times five days we went. So that was right out of my pocket. So I still ended up saving money because we went with someone else and split the cost of the suite. But, you know, you, if you're not doing that, then you got to realize that if you're, if you're off property, you've got wasted time, travel expenses, parking expenses. Um, it really can add up. Yeah. And now, um, since that trip, um, now, if you even if you stay at a Disney resort, they start charging for parking now. And they add that right at the end of the at the end of the visit you you pay for that as you're checking out so um so right now you know if you're going to disney world and you can fly if you're able to to make those arrangements and fly in then you don't have to worry about any sort of extra costs except for your airfare of course but but you don't have to worry about parking fees because magical express will take you for free um But you make a good point, Lee, about Disneyland versus Walt Disney World, and the differences is is phenomenal when it comes to good neighbor hotels, because you're right, you know, staying at the Howard Johnsons or some of the other places around Disneyland are like it's like you're a stone's throw still from the park, you know. Yeah. So it's a great, um, it's a great environment to be able to take advantage of staying at um at a good neighbor hotel 
and and to be honest with you, the um, booking a booking a trip for someone to Disneyland, the the way they've integrated the good neighbors into the booking process for Disney is um, is really easy, you know. And I think it's much more advanced than the way they do the good neighbors at Disney World. Um, yeah. Good neighbors at Disney World have been there, but this is but it's only been recent that they have started incorporating them into um, into that setting and, and the way that works. So Probably just because Disney World has so many more resorts than Disneyland. Exactly. Disneyland mm-hmm. has like only two. There's three at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Disney, the original Disneyland, You're and right. you've got Paradise Pier, and you got Grand Californian. Those are the only three on-property resorts at disneyland so um, so yeah it's it's a much different it's it's like the scales are tipped completely towards the good neighbor um at disneyland Mm -hmm. versus at disney world they're tipped towards the on property you know yeah what i what i also find too is that you know like i i've always stayed at the value resorts when i go to walt disney world because Mm -hmm. For me, they're heavily themed, and I really do enjoy that. So it's a lot of you get a lot of Disney just walking around. But right. I find for free, I mean, I can I always go to the deluxe resorts. I always visit the Polynesian, the Contemporary, and the Grand Floridian. I go to their gift shops. I sit in the lobbies. I enjoy their their grounds. You can walk around them for free. So I don't have to miss out on that. Um, you know, I'm not staying there, but I can still visit it and still enjoy the amenities, except for the pools. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing in Disneyland. When I went there, I stayed off property, but I, I went for half a day and I just toured the uh, Disneyland hotel. I went up on all the floors. I looked at all the artwork, went to their store. There's also, uh, I think it's Chef Goofy for character uh, dining. You can there go there. Is. You don't have to be staying in there for that. Um, so really, you can still have all the fun of the Disneyland hotel. You can still see everything there, um, even though you're staying off property. So I, I still felt like I... I experienced that hotel. Yeah. But without actually having to pay the extra money to be there. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's funny because, you know, we've only been to Disneyland twice, Sophie and I and Cindy. And, um, well, Sophie's been because of staying with her friend. But, um, but I've never actually even been inside the Disneyland hotel yet. (laughs) Yeah. Or Paradise Pier. You know, I've seen them both. But I've not been inside of them, so. Yeah, I don't, I think I've only walked around them a little bit. And, well, the Disneyland Hotel, I don't think I've been inside Paradise Pier. Yeah. They're worth but, going into. They've got a lot of special exhibits and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of memorabilia you can look at and concept artwork you won't see anywhere else. So it's it's nice to do. Yeah. Well, that's a good tip. So that's something to keep in mind. If you're going to Disneyland, listeners, um, keep that in mind because, you know, you don't need um, – if you're there for a week, you don't needing seven days of tickets to, to mm-hmm. see everything at Disneyland and California Adventure. So you can take a day and do some resort um, sightseeing and things like that and really take in some other stuff that you wouldn't necessarily see otherwise. So mm-hmm. worth worth checking into. Um, let's see here. Getting back to our, to our notes here. Um, now let's talk about food, you know, 
um, budgeting for food, you know, the way I always think of it when I'm working with my clients is I figure I'm going to spend about a third of my budget, whatever that number is, on dining, about a third on tickets, and about a third on lodging. You know, so, you know, 99.99% of us are going to have a budget, whether that budget for our trip is $3,000, $10,000, or $60,000. You know, I'm just throwing numbers out. You know, there's the the very, very small percentage that is not going to have a budget for their trip. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about was ways that you can – you can get the most bang out of your dining budget, you know, um, and, and try and minimize that cost some, you know, and, and there's several ways, you know, it used to be that, um, getting one of the dining plans, which by the way, the Disney dining plans are only valid, um, for on property stays. So you can't use a dining plan, um, at a good neighbor. So, um, so that's something to keep in mind. But it used to be that if you selected a Disney dining plan, then you knew you were getting a certain percentage discount. And that that percentage is harder to calculate these days. Um, but still, it might be it might be something you want to consider. Um, so and, and part of that reason is for me anyway, is that for my clients, they're able to prepay for just about all the food that they're going to be eating while they're at the parks so they don't have to worry about paying for it afterwards and um and all that but what do you think lee what are you some of your tips for for getting the most out of your dining budget well we have a bit of a special circumstance because my wife has celiac disease so she has to eat gluten-free so mm-hmm. it makes a bit of a difference i mean not uh, we find at walt disney world there's and even disneyland really there's your options are limited, you know, for, for gluten-free eating. They're getting better, they but are. it's, uh, when we've, when we've gone in the past, it really wasn't that good. I mean, they were still starting to get their act together that way, but I think they're doing a lot better now. But so what we found is it was just easier to limit the amount of times that we ate during the day. So rather than having three square meals, um, and then a snack later in the day, we, we cut back to just having two meals in the parks and then, you know, going back to the hotel room to have some snacks that we brought with us or something like that, just to try and limit that down. Yeah. And uh, that way we can control her dietary intake a little bit better as well. So we've also sometimes, you know, if I've, a lot of times we drive cause I'm only about two days drive from Florida from where I am. So um, sometimes we'll jump in the car and go off property if we're at Walt Disney world and, you know, just go to a regular restaurant somewhere, which is usually a little bit cheaper. Uh-huh. And uh, then we can, you know, ones that we know, chains that we know have gluten-free options as well. Sure. So that's kind of what we try to do. And, yeah. you know, we, we kind of snack our way through rather than have large, expensive meals. And right. uh, so, you know, the food courts are usually good. We usually stay at a value resort or for on property. So the food courts work for us. It's a quick way of getting in and out without losing too much time. It's still heavily themed, so we still enjoy that. But you know, and then we might have one really nice, you know, we, you know, we go to the sci-fi diner or something. We'll, we'll pick a couple of restaurants that are special and, you know, have a really, uh, just maybe two or three really special meals during that time. And, sure. but not, not every single day, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. That's good tips. Sophie, what were you going to say? 
I was just going to say that Jagan also has celiac disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, um, Jagan is so one of Sophie's best friends and, um, that's certainly a consideration that whenever I'm helping them with, with dining or whatever, that we take that into account. And, you know, one of the, you know, Disney has gotten better about, um, the way you can do the special diets and stuff like that for, um, for people with allergies. And, um, when you're booking a reservation for a table service, you can, you can check off on the online reservation. You could check off the allergies that you have to, to deal with, and then they will bring a chef out to your table and, um, and tell you, okay, well, if you have celiacs, you can't have this pasta, but we can substitute it with this pasta or whatever. So, so Disney, um, I think of the majority of the um, the theme parks in the, in the industry. I think Disney probably handles the allergies the best. At least that's my experience from for my clients. You know, um, but Lee, one thing, one website I wanted to direct you to. Um, you probably already know about it, but um, my friend uh, Terry. Um, runs a site called glutenfreedairyfreewdw.com. And she will do um, post menus and dining reviews. And uh, she's got guides on different places that she's eaten at, at Walt Disney World, that, um, and, and their perspective on, on how they did with, with handling allergies for gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. So um, it might be worth checking it out and just doing a Google search for it. Um, so um, it, it's um, it's a really, really good site. And I think I said her name was Terry, but I meant Sarah. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, Sarah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but it might be worth checking out. Glutenfree, dairyfree, WDW.com. So. Yeah, it sounds good because, you know, I think Disney has a, I think you can go on like official Disney site and you can also get, you know, a menu or you can look at their, mm-hmm. their options. But the problem with that is, is that doesn't tell you how good they are, how well the service went. So if you get somebody who's doing a, an honest review from a, a visitor's perspective, right. you know, you really start to get to know, you know, okay, somebody might offer gluten-free, but was it good? Was it fast? Was, was the service well? You know, did they get sick afterwards? You know, as someone who has celiac, you need to know those things because many yes. restaurants will claim they have gluten-free, but they're really only gluten-friendly. Right. So, you know, it, it, it helps to have somebody who has the disease telling you these things for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, some of the other options, and, and I just want to make sure that all of our listeners realize that, you know, there's no, there's nothing against bringing your own food into the parks. You know, um, obviously you go through bag check if you're carrying a bag and, you know, they're going to check and make sure. But you can bring your sandwiches in your cooler. You can bring your drinks. You can, you know, bring snacks throughout the day and all that. And that is absolutely okay. And Disney has no problem with you doing that. Um, So don't hesitate. Don't feel like. You can't do that just because you're going to Disney. You know, there there are definitely needs. Um, sometimes you have a dietary need or sometimes you just doing it because 
that's that's the way you want to. Or maybe when you were a kid and you were and you took family vacations to places and and you knew that your grandma was making sandwiches for you to eat while you were driving on the road to get to the location, you know, and it might just be a nostalgia thing. So there's a lot of different um, different ways to make sure you can save some money on your dining. So definitely um, don't don't discount one way or another. You know, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, and now moving on, um, let's talk the the big thing, and that let's let's talk tickets. <laughs> <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know, when you start talking tickets, that's when you see a price increase um, very quickly for mm-hmm. for the tickets that you're needing to buy. So how how do you take care of getting your tickets for your trip? Well, I guess this also poses the question of whether or not it's worth it to have an annual pass. Mm -hmm. Could be, yeah. Um, It depends. Having an annual pass obviously will have a higher expense to it. Um, And it all depends on how often you're going to be going to Disney, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to get enough value out of the cost you pay to make that annual pass worth it? Are you going to get enough days in to where it makes it a better value than just buying tickets each time you go? So um, so that's a big consideration. Lee, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I've, I looked at this for like modern cost but when we first went to disney walt disney world in 2006 as a couple um, we knew we wanted to go back in 2007 so we did the math and it paid us to have a a one-year season pass because what we did is we went the last two weeks of february in 2006 and then the first two weeks of february in 2007 which put the the visits within the same 365 day period right so we went for 15 days to the parks the first uh, time and 10 days the second time. So we got 25 days in the park. Wow. And I That's think at awesome. that time, <laughs> it ended up being for the price of 10 days, I think it was back then, because the season passes were cheaper. Um, but now I did the math on it. And from what I can see, like a 10-day park pass is about $700 for peak season. But a season pass is around $1,200. So if you could do two 10-day visits within the same 365-day period, you'll save at least $200. And if you can go more than that, then you're going to save even more. So right. it's not really that much of a saving if you're not going to go for 20 days, but because the season passes have gone up so much. Yeah. Um, but if you are going to try to go for like two weeks twice, if you can make it that you go at the end of a, of a period and the beginning of a period, mm-hmm. I mean, you can actually save a few hundred dollars anyway, which is, you know, you can spend that on food, souvenirs. You know, money's right. money saved is money saved. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm just I'm just blown away thinking of the thinking of taking a trip to Disney and be able to go to the parks for fifteen days. That just yeah. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I just my mouth yeah. is drooling. <laughs> well, that was our that was our very first time going as a couple. I had been twice when I was a young person in the seventies, but when I was quite young. So this was the first time we went as a couple. So, you know, we really wanted to hit it and really do a you know, do it right. So we actually stayed at uh, All Star Movies for for two weeks, um, 
and uh, so we had 14 nights and 15 days in the parks so it was uh it was a one of the best vacations we've ever had and we still didn't get everything done yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly wow that's awesome though the fact that's oh that's just awesome <laughs> i'm jealous now <laughs> jealous the awesome of a thing was at the end of the first ago. week yeah the good thing was at the end of the first week you're watching everybody leaving you know and we didn't have to so yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there are ticketing websites out there that will save you some money. Um, and, you know, actually, uh, you know, undercover tourists and places like that, um, that will save you some money if you if you're looking for for park tickets. And, and sometimes they'll have a special. But, you know, actually, Disney has started to get into the um, discount ticket business a little bit with um, like they had a promotion at one point. um, I think it was last summer where, you know, you could, you could get a four part ticket um, for like coming in after noon, after 12 o'clock and staying till close. And it was like half the cost of getting regular tickets or something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers. Um, and then they have um, they had other tickets that um, that you could get. So it seemed like they were trying to compete a little bit with the with these wholesalers that you can get tickets at, like underground and so forth. Um, so that was kind of interesting. But one of the things that that I think is helpful if you're planning a trip and you know you're going to stay on property. Um, if you've made the decision that that's the way you're going to go, then one of the things that's helpful is adding your tickets and making it a package because then you don't have to shell out $1,200 in tickets all at one time. You're putting it together as a package and then your deposit is $200 and then you can set up a budget of, let's say I want to pay a hundred dollars a week until it's paid off sort of thing. Um, you know, that way you, you've got more flexibility and and how you pay towards your trip. So um, so to me, that's worth considering as well. Whether or not you go that way or not is is totally up to you. But um, but it certainly is something to consider, you know, to take and think about and decide if that makes sense to you. So now is that available in Canada? Because I think a lot of the times with these programs, they won't let Canadians do payments. I well, know, like DBC won't for sure. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not 100% certain, to be honest with you. But the way that Disney works with their reservations, when you make a reservation for um, lodging and tickets and you get that package, the deposit is $200. Mm-hmm. And when you make that deposit, um, Disney doesn't care when you pay the rest off. As long as you pay, um, have it paid in full by 30 days out. And with the COVID um, crisis and everything that's been going on, that that they've changed those policies. But I expect, you know, in the future, it'll be back to 30 days before check-in when you have to have that package paid in full. Um, and as far as payments go, um, you could, you know, you could go in right now. I could go in and apply a payment to your trip um, and it could be as, as small as $20 at a time. Um, and, and it's just a partial payment. And I don't know why 
it would be any different if you were a Canadian booking through me versus, um, okay. you know, an American. So I don't, right. I don't see that being an issue. I think it's just okay. with Disney, you can, you can just do it, you know, mm-hmm. and just it's as little as $20. And that actually takes us to a sidebar a little bit of, of how you can, how you can pay for your trip, which is, you know, you can, um, you know, here in the States, um, target you can get your disney gift cards at target and if you pay for them with your red card um then you used to be able to get five percent off so you would be getting almost like a five percent boost in your gift card and you can Mm -hmm. use your disney gift card to to pay for your trip you know Mm -hmm. so that way you're saving a little bit of money and you're also able to to um to pay for your trip in increments, you know, like $50 at a time here, a hundred dollars at a time then, you know, and so forth. So those are options as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't have to all go on a card, you know, on a, mm-hmm. on a credit card or something like that when you're, when you're budget conscious. So it's I know, important um, to yeah, I know one trip we took, um, Disney ran a, a special promotion where for Canadians, they were taking money at par which was they haven't done that in a long time. So I live in I live in hope that <laughs> sooner or later they'll bring that one a promotion like that back again. But for that particular trip it really paid off for us. We saved twenty five to thirty percent. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that does sound like a good deal. Mm-hmm. Um and <laughs> you're right. I don't expect them to do that anytime soon. <laughs> so but but like you say, you can always dream. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, let's talk about, I talked briefly about it, but let's talk about how you're saving for your trip. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of different things you can, you can strategize over on ways that you can save money, um, to make this trip happen. So what are some of your tips guys? Well, really it's just, the simple get a jar method for me. Mm-hmm. That seems like the best way to go about it, in my opinion. Of course, I'm just a teenager. What do I know? I wouldn't say what do I know, but yeah, I know what you're saying. You're you you've got limited ideas at this point for for how to do it, but. You know, putting your spare change in a jar, it certainly adds up. The more you throw into that jar, the the quicker it adds up and the more you've got savings for 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 whatever you want to use it for. So yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lee? Any any special tips that you have? Well, I think the last time we went, um, there was an antique mall that was uh, next to where we were living. Mm-hmm. So I took out a table with my father for four Saturdays in a row because I have a lot of Disney memorabilia. So at one time I had thousands of pieces. So I started to thin out my collection. So I took, uh, I basically sold a lot of, uh, not a lot of my Disney stuff, but it's quite a bit of Disney stuff and put that toward paying for my tickets. So, you know, so, you know, garage sales, yard sales, bake sales, you know, the little lemonade stand on the side of the road, you know, anything you can do like that put it into the jar like like sophie says you know put it into that you know disney saving kit you know put it in there keep it there you'd be surprised how much it makes like i made over a thousand dollars you know and uh was able to put that straight into the trip 
you know, so yeah. um, it's doable, you know, and you just have to spend a little bit of your time. But, you know, I think I don't know how big yard sales or grad sales are in the States, but here it's, it goes bananas. So they're everywhere. So people like to go to them. So it really, you know, it's a good way to make a bit of money, get rid of some of your junk, clear out at the same time. Uh-huh. I think that's the flea market for us. Right. Yeah. 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 Yard sales, flea markets, they're synonymous down here. And um, Lee, down here in Raleigh, it's closed right now because of COVID. But um, at the state fairgrounds we have, which is probably only like two miles from our house, they mm-hmm. have on Saturdays and Sundays, they have a flea market. And I'm talking okay. like hundreds of tables set up mm-hmm. of people selling different things. And, uh, and you get some good, pretty good stuff there. Sometimes you see, you know, it's junk and you know it. And it's junk with a capital J. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes yeah. you're like, you know what? That's really kind of cool. And mm-hmm. and you can find get some really cool finds. You never know. So that's what makes yeah. it fun, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, and um, one of the things is, um, from a financial standpoint, is making a trip budget and looking at it and breaking it down, you know, saying, okay, my trip budget ends up being, for what we want to do, it's going to cost $3,000, and we want to go, um, and we know we want to go and be there on October one. 2021 because we will be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the magic kingdom okay so right now even though i can't book a trip for 2021 yet i can start saving for 2021 and so i can say three thousand dollars divided by however many weeks that is this is the amount i need to save each week and that's how you just start saying okay i'm going to put this aside into a vacation fund you know make me maybe make a little vacation fund account at your bank or whatever, you know, some of them still do that. Um, or just set it aside in your, in your savings account for when you need it and so forth. And, and just start adding to that, you know, and you've got, you know, dealing with $3,000 can be daunting, but when you start thinking about it over a week by week, that number gets a lot more manageable Mm -hmm. and that makes it a lot better, um, way for you to, to get your savings without even, you know, it almost becomes second nature. And then you can do that with the rest of your rest of your finances as well for making sure that you're staying in a budget for, for regular living, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not just Disney yeah. living. <laughs> so yeah. another but, thing I thought of, you know, was you were talking about gift cards and the target there. That's a good thing to do. I thought if you have children, you know, sometimes when you go to the parks, especially with souvenirs, everything they see, they want. Right. And, oh, yeah. and I know children like that because I'm like that. I mean, I go into these stores and I want everything I see. So <laughs> I have to, I have to set a budget for myself. So I thought maybe a good way to do that is let's say you were going to let your child, depending on the age, spend $50 on souvenirs, a hundred, 200, whatever it might be to the length of the trip. You have a Disney gift card at that amount. And mm-hmm. each child has that gift card. And once that gift card's empty, you're done. It's done. You're done. And, and you're on budget because, mm-hmm. sorry, you're out of gift cards. You're out of, that's it. You've got all you're going to get. Yeah. And you can do that with, like you said, you could do that with dining. You could do that with anything, really. But souvenirs especially, you know, that extra mm-hmm. spending money. If they want to spend it on a Mickey bar, that's great. They want to spend it on a plushie, that's fine. But once that card's empty, your budget's done. You've stayed within it. You know, you yep. know you can afford it. Yep, exactly. And we've done that with Sophie. We, um, 
we took a trip. We went in 2008, right when the housing boom or crash happened, you know, and, um, you know, and I was state employee at the time. And there was a lot of concern about about furloughs and layoffs and stuff like that, even at state government level. And so we were supposed to go for Sophie's birthday that year. And um, and, you know, we had to make the hard decision to cancel. Mm-hmm. But then as um, as things, you know, calmed down and life got back to normal a little bit, we realized that we were able to go. And so we made a surprise trip in August and didn't tell Sophie about it. And um, and I got a YouTube of it <laughs> of her when she found out we were going to Disney. It's really cool. But um, but one of the things I did is I was like you know what, I'm going to make this really easy on the kid. And I wrote all these simple, simple questions, you know, and, and got her answers. And for every correct answer, um, you know, she would get a certain amount towards her, towards her gift card for souvenirs. Mm-hmm. You know, it is things like who's Mickey's friend. And you would say mm-hmm. Minnie, you know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of easy. <laughs> and, um, and that's how she, you know, she for every she got like two dollars for every question or something like that. And that and that went on a Disney gift card and and she would she would use it, you know, and that mm-hmm. and that's the way it worked. And sometimes she would come home with money left over. And mm-hmm. one of the nice things about a Disney gift card for everyone that's listening is they don't expire. So mm-hmm. you can save that card for one year, five years, ten years. And if you got $26.82 left on it, you'll still have $26.82. No fees, no expirations, nothing. So good information to, to think, keep that in mind. You know, you can start saving now for that trip five years down the road as long as you don't lose them, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, great stuff, guys. Um, one last thing I wanted to touch on being a travel agent myself is – should I use a travel agent? And um, I have my opinion, but what do you guys say? Let's see if you if you agree with me or not. <laughs> well, it depends on the person, really. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a Disney veteran and you know the ins and outs of Disney yourself, mm-hmm. then I'd say, depending on your trip, depending on the aspirations that you have, a travel agent isn't actually necessary. Sorry, Daddy. That's okay. I'm going to dispute you, but I'll tell you why. <laughs> Lee, what do you think? Well, I, I understand Sophie's point, and I agree with it to a point. I, I have some friends who, um, you know, they they troll the internet like you wouldn't believe, and they can find every every dime of discount you've ever heard of. Uh-huh. The only problem I find with that, like I've gone both ways um, to my regret, and I've learned the hard way to use a travel agent Um, (laughs) because you know, the problem is you, yes, you might be able to find a better deal. You might get a a last minute deal. The problem is if it goes wrong, you're on your own. And if you have a travel agent, you can just pick up the phone and say, Hey, you know, help me out here. Um, I wasn't expecting this to happen. What what do I do? Um, And it could be while you're on your trip. It could be after the trip. If you need to deal with Disney or some other venue, um, if they booked it for you, usually the travel agent will jump in and, and they have a little bit more knowledge about how to deal with these people and what you can get, what you can't. Um, it's almost like dealing with insurance companies, you know, like you need a lawyer because you don't know all the ins and outs. 
and, and they'll know that a little bit better. So we made that mistake when we booked our Disney cruise. We ended up jumping the gun on it. We thought we had a good price on a cruise. It ended up being a nightmare. Um, the oh, whole thing fell apart. We, we went on the cruise, but it was really, really bad. And we tried to deal with Disney to get some compensation. We got very little, but we had nobody to fight for us. So, um, yeah. And I regret I'm that. I'm sorry, Lee. I'm if sorry. we hadn't gone through a travel agent, it would have been, it would have turned out better. And to Sophie's point, you know, I'm saying that because I don't know the ins and outs. Like I really am not savvy when it comes to traveling. I rely on others to help me. So for me to try to book online, I will probably make a mistake. I'll probably get a good deal maybe initially, but it'll cost me in the long run. So um, I just don't know all the ins and outs. So for me, yeah. it's better off for me just to pick up the phone and say, hey, Mike, this is what I want to do. This is my budget. You tell me what I can do. And and you come back to me with options. So which is what we did the last time when we went. You mm-hmm. you booked a trip for me. You found me a great offsite place. So it was amazing. Um, it was a great suite. We stayed with my in-laws again. It was amazing. Very close to Disney. We had a good time. Very clean resort, which I never would have thought of. I never would have found it. So yeah. so that for me, again to Sophie's point, if you were like a genius, maybe you might want to try it on your own. But I'm not a genius when it comes to travel, so I need help. Okay. Well, thanks for calling on me, Lee. I appreciate that. And, um, and Sophie, um, I understand exactly what you're saying. And remember, I used to be that person before I became a travel agent. I was the one who, who made the plans and who had people asking them about what they should do on their trips. And that's why I became a travel agent. But um, at the very least, for anyone listening that is considering, well, I don't need a travel agent or whatever, I would say at the very least, get a price Get get a conversation going with a travel agent. Um, you know, my services are totally free to all of my clients. And I know I'm beating my own drum here a little bit. Sorry about that. But um, but I will take care of my clients. I book their trip when they're when they're ready to pull the trigger. I will apply the payments when they're ready to apply a payment. When they are ready to make a dining reservation, I'll make a dining reservation. When um, when they want to make fast passes, when we're able to make fast passes again, I'll take care of that for them. I'll help them, guide them on which ones are really good ones to use them on and which ones you don't need to worry about. Um, but the best thing perhaps is that, um, my, like I said, my services are free because I get paid commission by Disney but um, and the other vendors that we use. But one of the things that I have is I have a program with, um, with my, um, you know, that I do for my clients so that um, if your trip is between $2,000 and $39.99, then you're automatically going to get a $25 Disney gift card to spend on your trip. There's $25 of souvenir money. You know, if your trip is $4,000, to 59.99 you're getting a $50 gift card and if your trip is 6000 and above you're getting a $75 gift card and that's all right off the top you know that's something that um that you don't get if you're booking it yourself you know um and the and the last thing is um a travel agent a, a good travel agent is always looking for those promotions that they can apply for their clients. You know, if, if they release a free dining promo and I apply it for, for Lee's trip when he's staying at all-star movies next time, then, um, then, you know, I might be saving him $600 off his trip just because of that promotion. Now, if you book it yourself, Sophie, you certainly 
can apply that promotion yourself as well. But you have to call in and you have to wait on hold like like I do and like everyone else does when there's a new promotion like that. So you might have to invest that two hours or three hours of time waiting on hold to get through. Mm-hmm. And with a travel agent, you know that they're the ones doing that for you. So, so those are my reasons why considering at least considering a travel agent is something you might want to do for your trip. It might save you some money in the long run. It might add to your value because of the savings you get from a, you know, a free gift card or even just, you know, peace of mind and knowing that you've got a guy um, who has done these trips before and he knows what the great, you know, things to do are and the things that aren't so great and can help you guide guide you on those things. So I would at least consider using a travel agent, even if you decide to do it yourself, give it oh. a, some thought to consider using a travel agent. Yeah. You've convinced me. <laughs> okay. So I'm Sophie's travel agent now. That's good to know. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, you've always been my travel agent, daddy. I was just thinking, what if you yourself are a travel agent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you yourself are planning a trip and you're a travel agent, then book through yourself because then you get that commission (laughs) (laughs) or you get the travel agent rate or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So that wraps us, wraps us up for all I have for our feature topic this week, vacationing on a tight budget. Do you guys have anything else you want to add before we move on to the last bits of our, of our show today? Well, just want to remind everyone that Disney isn't the only place you can go on a vacation. And in fact, there are other cheaper places to go. Yeah, there can be. Mm-hmm. And there can be some that might be cheaper, but still cost you more depending on what you get for it. So, mm-hmm. um, so keep that in mind too, but you're absolutely right, Sophie. Not every vacation is a vacation to Disney. And mm-hmm. yeah. we haven't really touched on that on our blog and on our podcast. I mean, um, very much. We've been focused on Disney, 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 Disney. Mm-hmm. But after our trip, I think we're going to focus on some other things that we can do. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. but you're absolutely right. Well, Lee, you are welcome to stay and listen to the rest of the show. Or if you need to hop off, you can hop off, whatever is best for you. But in the meantime, I want to thank you for joining us. And, um, and, you know, like I said, you can listen in to the end of the show and, be part of it to the end, or you can drop off whatever you prefer. Well, I can stick around. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, it is time for this day in Disney history, and this is Sophie's segment. And Sophie, do you have something for us for June 22nd? I have many, many things, but I'm going to focus on two. Okay. Give us two. First things first, June 22nd, 1970. No. 17, not 17. Okay. 1917, 1917, Walt Disney's older brother Roy O. Disney enlists in the U.S. Navy along with his friend Mitch Francis. Wow. Thank you, Roy. Yes. And he and, went off to fight in World War One. Mm-hmm. And... He will be. He will first be assigned to the Great Lakes Naval Training Station outside of Chicago, and eventually be transferred to Charleston, South Carolina, where he will be responsible for transporting material between New York and France. Uh, 
and a lady, and he will later marry Mitch's sister Edna. <laughs> hey, that's our that's my grandma's name was Edna. Wait, that was Nana's name. Nana's name was Edna, but it was not Mitch's sister. <laughs> yeah, Nana's name was Edna. So. Wow. Well, anyway, then we fast forward to 1938 where Walt Disney receives an honorary degree from Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. Wow. What was the degree and does it say? Also receiving the commencement ceremony are Lord Tweedsmer, the Governor of General of Canada, Justice Stanley. No, it does not say. Okay. That's mm-hmm. cool, though. I've never received any sort of honorary degrees. What about you, Lee? Nope. No, no. Nobody wants not that important. No, I'm just not that important. (laughs) Everyone can be important. I didn't even know Walt went to Yale. Well, he didn't. That's why he's honorary. Oh. (laughs) But anyway, good stuff, Sophie. Thanks for sharing it with us. So, my turn now for our Disney Who's Who character. For the day and lee this is a little bit um i have this book it's called disney who's who an a to z of disney characters and it focuses on disney animated movies mm-hmm. and sophie saw this at um bj's which is a like a costco type store um and she decided to buy it and i thought she was buying it for herself um, but it turns out she bought it to give to me for Christmas, and I had no idea she had done that. And I was right there when she bought it. <laughs> so so I, uh, when we started the podcast, I decided that would be one of our sticks is our Who's Who character. And today I have a special character, and I usually try and um, try and give a clue. And Sophie is 99.9% of the time able to guess who I'm selecting but mm-hmm. today i'm not going to do that because I, I don't really have any way of giving a clue so our character today is princess tiana from the princess and the frog and um she is a bright resourceful enterprising 19 year old which i didn't realize that until i just read that sophie who yeah. has big yeah. dreams of one day opening her very own new orleans restaurant inspired by her late father She knows everything about cooking and running a business, but she still faces enormous obstacles. She works multiple waitressing jobs, saving every penny, back to the topic, (laughs) (laughs) with no time for romance or any kind of social life, determined to overcome all trials and tribulations and see her dream come true. It is only when she is accidentally turned into a frog that Tiana learns that love is as important as hard work. Later, as a princess, Tiana lives with her husband, Prince Naveen, and runs her very own restaurant known as Tiana's Palace. And I have two bits of did you know. So you tell me, you guys, if you knew this. Um, did you know that Tiana is left-handed? No. I didn't know that. Not. I am left-handed, so I think that's kind of cool that Tiana's <laughs> left-handed. <laughs> and um, did you know that Tiana appears in the film as a human for a total 
of only 19 minutes. The rest of the time, she's a frog. <laughs> yeah. I thought that I didn't I didn't really think about that, but to me that's kind of crazy, you know? You're right. Yeah. Back, back I, That's of, it. I can only think of one princess that has ever appeared as a human less in a Disney animated film, and that would be Aurora. She really? had a total of 18 lines. Oh, wow. Yeah, she slept most of the time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but she was always human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think with Tiana, if you're willing to kiss a frog, that's dedication. So you deserve to get a restaurant at the end of that. That oh. is dedication. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if it's a talking frog. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. I have one last bit of information. It is our Walt Disney quote. And I have a book, Lee, called The Quotable Walt Disney. And it is it was compiled by Dave Smith, the archivist. And um, and it's just a, a compilation of Walt Disney quotes um, broken up into subjects. And this one, this week, I am quoting from Walt from his – the topic is money. And I thought that was appropriate since we were talking about savings and saving for our trips. And um, And this is Walt Disney's quote. He says, I am not an economist – but things are not as bad as they seem. I have a great deal of confidence in our future. And I take that confidence, um, that same confidence that Walt has. So, um, you know, things are tough right now. And people are struggling with all this COVID and stuff like that. And um, probably vacationing isn't something that they're able to save a lot of money for. But, you know... Things will turn around, and when it does, then just remember that there there are trips to be had, you know. So it's important to take the time and um, and at least dream about where you would like to go, even if you can't make that a reality just yet. So, you know, it's interesting you bring up Walt with money. He wasn't really good with money, you know. Like no. he wasn't he wasn't a good budgeter. That's what he had Roy for. So that mm-hmm. kind of goes to our topic, too, that, you know, find someone in your family who's who's good at budgeting and let them do that. You know, because yeah. if you're not good with money yourself, like Walt wasn't, he just uh, he was all about the creative side and he let Roy worry about how to pay for it. You know, so it's it's that way in our families, too. You know, like my wife is better at, at saving and, and, you know, paying the bills and keeping track of all that than I am. So I let her do that. And that's why we're able to do things and buy things that we need. And and uh, so, you know, that's. We, we can learn that from Walt, too. Let the guy yeah. who knows how to do the money do the money. <laughs> exactly. And those are ac- excellent points. So you're absolutely right, Lee. Um, That's why Daddy and, my, and me rely on my mom so much. Yes, because she <laughs> is very much the planner as far as making sure that everything is paid for and that you're not out on the street when you're done and, <laughs> and all that. So very much yeah. so. That's what that's a, one of Cindy's great great virtues. Um, so tomorrow, well, actually, we're recording on June 18th. So tomorrow is June 19th, and that is Sophie's birthday. But um, this goes live on June 22nd. So Sophie has already had her birthday. But um, Sophie has a birthday coming up, and I want to 
wish her a happy birthday and I'm going to embarrass myself by singing happy birthday to her. So I am sorry if your guys ears bleed. Um, if they do, then tear off your headsets really quick so that <laughs> maybe you can stop that bleeding. <laughs> but anyway, Sophie, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Sophie. Happy birthday to you. How'd I do? You did fine. <laughs> okay, good. However, we have poor connection, so we ought to wrap this up really quickly. Yeah. So I'm going to close us out by saying, first of all, Lee, thank you for joining us today. I had a great time. And I hope you enjoyed visiting with us. Yep, very and, much. And I look forward to hearing more about the site. It's Disneylandia.com, people. So go check it out. And um, and maybe we'll talk Disney another time, you know, and have you back on the show at some point. Yeah, I'd like that. Okay. And um, yeah. And um, just a reminder that On the Road with Mickey is sponsored by Tech Solutions NC and Pixie Vacations by Mike Ellis. Um, if you need any computing help, check out Tech Solutions NC. You can find them online at techsolutionsnc.com or on Facebook um, by the same name, Tech Solutions NC. Or if you need any travel planning help, email Mike at mike at pixievacations.com or on Facebook at Pixie Vacations by Mike Ellis. Thanks for um, joining us, everyone, and have a great week. And we'll see you on the road, won't we, Sophie? Yes, we will. See you on the road. See you on the road. Thanks, Lee, for joining us. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.